season two, episode four of the Always Loyal podcast. What's coming up? Jordan, very special guest on this week's Always Loyal podcast, Kyle Martino. You might know him as a broadcaster, former MLS player, former MLS rookie of the year, now representing the Over Under Initiative. What is that? Talk about it with Kyle Martino this week on the Always Loyal podcast. I know him for his hair. Great hair. Great hair. One more chance into the box and head it down. It's in San Diego in the 97th minute. At the death. Dangerous ball from Charlie Adams there. Among connecting with it. Ultimately will be an own goal on the books, but huge, huge result. That was literally the last cross of the game. Definitely excited to chat it up with Kyle Martino. It's going to be our first opportunity to do so on the Always Loyal podcast. Uh, That's not the only thing we're going to be chatting about, though, today, Darren. We will also talk about the first preseason match. I don't know what we actually do know about it. And of course, now that the preseason is underway, that means we're much closer to that home opener coming up against Detroit. So a lot to get to on this edition of the Always Loyal pod. Darren, what is up? Jordan, what is up with you? I was out of the country, but I was following along on social media. I saw very scant details. All I saw was that Loyal beats San Diego State University playing at Torero Stadium in front of a handful of season ticket members. I want to say the final was three goals to nil. Saw a couple of still shots. Is that true? Three nil, I believe, was is that official? Do we have do we keep official scores in this? I mean, is there No details, no detail, but I think I saw on the SD loyal official Twitter account claiming a three, nothing victory. Now is this disputed by San Diego state university? I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe that's what they want you to think. Well, were you not there? I was not there. Were you there? I was not. I was in Mexico. I was not there either. (laughs) Well, where were you? The point is, we don't actually know what the final score was. It could have been 18 nothing for all we know. But according to the social media account, it finished 3-0. Who scored in this preseason match, Darren? Jordan, you would think that the host of the Always Loyal podcast would have this kind of information for season number two, episode number four. However, I'm here to tell you, I don't have that info, and I'm currently texting somebody who was there. And I said, so who scored? The answer I got was, I'm not sure. I couldn't tell, but I think it ended 3-0. There it is. There you go. Listen, you don't always get great information in the preseason. We're setting we're setting the stage for a regular season. We don't want to give away starting 11s, tendencies, who's scoring, who's even on this roster. Will there be changes? Maybe. I think so. Nate Miller told us last week that there will be at some point. I just don't know when. So... Who knows? Maybe that change has already happened. That's well, about all we on, know from the preseason. Here's so a couple go. of things we do know, as a matter of fact, though, because I did still see these still shots. I'm sure you did as well. I have not seen this with my own eyes. Blue Peak Credit Union, Jordan? I did see this. Now, you might think to yourself, Blue Peak Credit Union, what is that? This is the point of the sponsorship. right? You, you might should go that. look that up if you live in San Diego, and you should find out if Blue Peak Credit Union is for you. I've done a Google search myself just to determine whether or not this is or isn't something that my wife and I might be able to benefit from. Darren, new gear, and we're starting to see glimpses of that new gear in the preseason. I I feel like we've gotten little Easter eggs on social media. Sometimes you get some photos. 
that might reveal like, hey, we haven't seen that before. Where's that? Where did that come from? So now we're going to see it in preseason matches and we'll see even more. I saw, is there anything you want to get to on this preseason match before I move on to this projected starting 11 that I want to get to? Yes, I have two quick observations. Number one, have? seeing Joe Benny Corona in action. Yes, that wearing, was good. Wearing one of the training shirts. And also there is a darker Tory green training shirt with mm -hmm. the SD soccer ball logo on it on the front and on the back. I would like one of those. Okay. Okay. That's what Darren needed to. Okay. <laughs> I, Did you well, see? I would like to pay for one of those. Correct. I'm sure they're available at the shop. Yes. Did you see, we're going to get to Kyle Martino here coming up in the next segment. We're going to talk to him about what was announced from San Diego loyal with the over under initiative. This is really cool. This is like really cool. I'm really good. It's the first one. We'll get into detail, but it's the first time that it's happened here in San Diego. It's a nonprofit founded by Kyle Martino. The goal is to increase access to sport in urban neighborhoods. And so they go to neighborhoods and they try to find the best location. And what they do is they convert basketball courts to multi-purpose spaces. And what that means is you're able to take an existing court and provide the opportunity for kids to play soccer there as well. So I think that is really, really cool. There is a uh, strategy behind it into where you want to go in and do this and provide this opportunity because that opportunity isn't always provided to everyone. And so it's something that started back in 2018. Uh, Kyle Martino, you might know him as a player. You might know him as a broadcaster. Uh, Premier League fans will probably remember him from NBC. He was always on uh, with pre-match, halftime, post-match coverage with Rebecca Lowe. Uh, Tim, did he and Tim Howard cross over? They probably did. He stopped with NBC. He ran for president for U.S. soccer. And around that same time, the over under initiative began as well. And this is the first time we're seeing it step into California, which is very, very cool. We get to see it here in our own backyard. Yeah, it's a really, really cool idea. I will admit, I, I came into this week not really knowing what the over under initiative was. And when we were first pitched on the idea of Kyle Martino being available, you sort of said, okay, not sure exactly what the hook is here, right? You're always looking for a hook. I mean, we'll talk to anybody. But Kyle Martino, who ran for U.S. Soccer Federation president, Jordan, who left NBC for that job, was actually inspired in his research when he was running for president, learning and reading and researching a lot about what happens in low-income areas around the United States that don't have access to an actual soccer field, soccer goals. And, and really to hear it is one thing you should see it. You should really see what it is that is happening with the over under initiative because they're breaking ground on a retractable goalpost in national city at Lincoln acres park. We probably couldn't do it justice. I realize this is a podcast, so it's up to us to try to be creative and how we can describe this, but essentially there's a goal that goes subterranean. It goes into the ground right underneath the basketball court. So you don't have to tear down the nets. You don't have to tear much of anything down, but you can lift the goal straight out of the ground, put it back in the ground. When you're done, it could be converted from a basketball court to a soccer field, just really incredible stuff there. So um, I don't know how familiar everybody is with Lincoln acres park in national city, other side of the 80 freeway, 805 freeway from Sweetwater high school, Joe Corona, but we'll we'll let Kyle Martino explain this partnership working with San Diego Loyal and San Diego County on what was announced yesterday on February 7th that they're breaking ground on these retractable goalposts. Only the sixth in the U.S., 
first in the state of California, and it's happening right here in San Diego County and National City. So that's really cool. Very cool. We'll ask Kyle Martino to describe exactly what Darren just described. What, what does it look like? How does it work? What is this? What yeah, is cool. the goal? Yeah, it looks great. I just I want to hear it from Kyle's perspective. We'll ask him how it started, what they've learned so far throughout the process since it's it's been a few years. Ask him, I don't know, ask him the challenges that they face as they as they go about this and why it's so important to them. We'll ask him all that fun stuff. So we can ask him other stuff as well, right? Mm. I mean, there's been some there's there's some U.S. soccer news for sure, and you know, I've, I wanted to ask what he thought when he was running for U.S. Soccer Federation president. Right. I wanted to ask him what he thought the role of lower division soccer was in his plan. You know what role he sort of saw for for clubs like Loyal and leagues like USL because that all would have fallen under the umbrella of the U.S. Soccer Federation's jurisdiction. So I would love to know how he saw that, especially somebody with his career and somebody with his background in broadcasting, where he would have spent a bunch of time talking about relegation, promotion at the Premier League level. So, yeah, I'm I'm curious in in how that, how he saw that and what, how, what role he sees for it all as well. Yeah, might slip in a World Cup question. We sure. can slip in a Burhalter question, perhaps. Yeah, there's a lot we can get to. Yeah, interesting dude. Very interesting guy. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think I learned more this week about Kyle Martino than than I had previously. But uh, also, Jordan, we saw we're starting to be see honest. Three... You just knew how great of hair he had, right? Amazing. It's sort of You're hard. Like former to, player, to... better hair. Sort of hard to focus on what it is that he says because sometimes you're tempted just to hit the mute button and just look at the man's magnificent set uh, of follicle, uh, both on the top of his head and his face when he grows facial hair. It's it's a remarkable thing that Kyle Martino is capable of doing. Very skilled, very skilled. We'll ask him what kind of gel he used on on. <laughs> we also have a preseason prediction starting to roll in Jordan. We do. We do. We Who's have predicting such a thing. Well, our pal from USL Tactics, John, who's been a guest on the Always Loyal podcast. Yes, go on. As it sees Loyal as a second place finisher in the Western Conference, Jordan, behind San Antonio Football Club. Okay, that's Had not terrible. Interest, not terrible. I don't know. You think Nate Miller would sign up for that right now? You can go to USL Tactics on the uh, intro webs there and you can find all the projected starting lineups and club by club breakdowns, find out how it is that he sees this all working tactically, which I will admit it's still a little bit of a mystery. I know continuity is expected with Nate Miller as we discussed last week, but uh, I'm sure there might be a tweak or two that Nate even admitted to stuff that was part of their plan all along to do things perhaps a bit differently, but has an interesting starting 11, at least based on, on available players including Evan Conway and Thomas Among, Joe Corona, Charlie Adams, Charlie Martin, uh, Moon, Elijah Martin on one side, but in the midfield. So uh, interesting starting 11 there. Projected finish second in the West, hmm. according to our guys over there at USL Tactics. Yes, John from USL Tactics uses a line in his description for San Diego Loyal that I will steal for this season. And it was, quote, Miller Unleashed oozes potential Ooh, that Miller was the description unleashed. that was the description for san diego loyal in 2023 miller unleashed now that nate miller is the head coach mm-hmm. now of course oozes potential i have a question about the starting 11 that he projected though mm-hmm. what stood out to you where is alejandro guido in that starting 11 
That was the first thing that stood out to me. Well, who would you like taking out of the midfield? Elijah Martin, Charlie Adams, Joe Corona, Charlie Martin, or Nick Moon? These are the questions that Nate Miller will have to answer this season. I don't know the right answer, but I have a feeling that Alejandro Guido will, will be in a few starting 11s. So I guess oh. that was, when I saw that, I, I wondered, did he sign somewhere else? Is he, did he go up to MLS and I, I missed it? But no, he had, he had Guido coming off the bench, which if you have a player like Alejandro Guido coming off the bench, you're, you're in a really good spot, especially at the USL level. Yeah, if you have your all-time club leading goal scorer, Tumi Moshibani coming off the bench, I think you're probably in an interesting spot. One of the bigger signings, at least as of today, Elliot Collier coming over from San Antonio, mm -hmm. considered a key sub. So I, this might be one of those proverbial good problems to have, right? It might be one of those good problems to have where you're really going to have to make some some decisions here that um, are based on the level of depth and quality of depth that you have in the club that certain guys, you, know, you can't start all of these players. You have to come up with your best 11 based on who you're playing, how everybody's playing, and where you're playing and what's going on in, in the schedule. So I don't know. I, if I were Nate Miller, I would like to have some of these options here. And, you know, if I can have an Alejandro Guido Tumi Moshibani coming off the bench, Ethan Collier, sounds pretty good to me. And by the way, this is even to suggest that this club is done adding. You said it earlier. I don't, I don't assume that for a single second, that this isn't the exact roster that we're going to see March 11th against Detroit City. Right. Yeah, I think there might be a change or two. I we'll see what think there's are. no doubt about it. I mean, already we've we've seen players like popular players like Jack Blake. We we can't get everybody in here. We can't guarantee everybody the kind of minutes that they might have expected a year ago, two years ago. It's crowded. So this is, is yeah, it's it's just it's a crowded roster. With Can we play quality. 10 midfielders just lined up shoulder to shoulder and we just run down as one big line up and down the field? Yeah, isn't that what Spain does in the World Cup? They're just like everybody's a midfielder and you just keep going. Three man back. I don't, you know, I don't know that that's the way Nate Miller sees it, but I do like the preseason projection. It would probably drive me crazy if I were coach because oh. I'd get wrapped up into reading this and go, oh, I don't know, you know, or, oh, I don't want that out there, or, you know, oh, where's he listening or who's he? So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I mean, but, but I do get into it because it gets me excited, right? It gets me excited to look at a projected finish of second in the Western conference, which means home playoff games, which means a really successful regular season campaign. So I realize it's not worth what it's printed on, but it, I still think it's a fun part of the process. We'll get to the over under initiative with Kyle Martino. He is the founder of the nonprofit. It was announced this week, San Diego. Uh, we'll see the very first construction from the over under initiative. Uh, here starting in National City. So very cool. We'll talk to Kyle Martino about all of it coming up next. Moshimani, and for a bog, crashing in. There it is. First of the year for San Diego. Among on his debut as a substitute. Great goal, great first touch into space. No one's going to catch him with speed. And a nice, lovely, calm finish. Martino, you might know him as a retired soccer player, former MLS Rookie of the Year, broadcaster, current broadcaster, formerly with NBC, the Premier League. But today we're focusing on the Over Under Initiative. Kyle Martino, welcome to the Always Loyal Podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be with you guys. 
Well, we appreciate that. Just to let everybody know, San Diego Loyal, Psionics, uh, over under initiative, County of San Diego broke ground this week on retractable goalposts in National City, Lincoln Acres Park. This is part of uh, an initiative, Kyle, that, that you launched. Tell us just a little bit about how we uh, arrived here and how significant this week is. Oh, man. How long's the podcast? <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> so, I mean, it goes back, you know, almost four years ago when I ran for U.S. soccer president. Uh, thank God I lost that. Um, not only <laughs> what I've been up to since and what I've accomplished since, but what's going on there right now. Uh, I don't really want that job to figure it out what's 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 happening. Um, yeah, so I, the issue of consequence out of that election that I was focused on the most um, was access. And, you know, we, we obviously that's a big word can mean a, a lot of things. But for me, it was as simple as, well, uh, something I just couldn't come to grips with is the, the most inclusive uh, and accessible game on the planet, which is the reason it's called the beautiful game, somehow has become the privilege of a small group rather than the right of, of every young kid in, in this country. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I studied so much about the pyramid of, of soccer and the architecture kind of on the organized side, the development side. And I, I just realized there's just this huge universe outside of what we consider to be soccer in this country that's just not enjoying the incredible gift this game is. You know, the social justice, the social enterprise, the self-empowerment, you know, the, 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 the health and wellness from a um, what you're capable of when you have uh, th this beautiful game, but people around you that, you know, just uh, no socioeconomic golden ticket. You just go out and play when you want to play. So um, the beauty is that's actually the best way to develop great players too. So, you know, I, I could kind of thread together, you know, it's almost a Trojan horse. If I want to see our men win a world cup while I'm alive. And the more I've dug into this rabbit hole and studied this problem street soccer is responsible for the greatest soccer players and soccer nations on the planet. So I just had a theory, maybe I'll steal an idea from flying all over the world, playing soccer and seeing that every country, but ours uh, puts a soccer goal onto the basketball hoop. And I thought, well, I feel like we have a lot of basketball courts and I feel like we don't use them all that often. So studied uh, 50 basketball courts in New York city. And by the way, there's 2000 in New York city. Huh. and um, tracked them for three months and realized, you know, they're not really being used for basketball all that much. Let's not make the mistake of turning them into something else. Let's see if we can, you know, solve this access problem or, or put a dent in it simply by proving we don't have an, a, a field and inventory problem. We just have a paradigm shift that needs to happen to show that the game can be played uh, in, in, a, in a different and more accessible way. We told the audience in the first segment of the podcast, you know, you really need to see this. You know, we'll do our best as as talented as we all are in broadcasting, Kyle. You know, sometimes you have to see it to truly understand it. But could you just describe this whole concept? Because when I read about it, I was trying to visualize it. And you might be tempted to think you're converting basketball courts away from basketball, which isn't the case. This is really a, a brilliant thing to look at. Can you just describe it for people who are listening? Yeah, and first, I, I would never turn a basketball court um, into something else. That zero-sum game, you know, hyper-specialization is one of the things that's killing this, this, this sport. You know, I, I played high school basketball, uh, uh, captain of the freshman basketball team, no big deal, you know, point guard. Then I had to cut my hair for the JV team, and I refused to do that. So then I, then I switched to only soccer after that. Um, 
But, you know, it was amazing. I grew up on Bo Jackson and, and Deion Sanders. And, you know, my good friend Steve Nash didn't start playing basketball until he was 13. So, you know, we, we have to keep kids playing multiple sports. And it was a Parks and Rec director that gave me the idea by being kind of a jerk, if I'm being honest. He, he said, Kyle, I love your passion. I, I even don't mind you guys playing soccer and basketball courts. The goal is just got to disappear when you're done. All right, thanks. Like, I've got a, I've got a meeting in five minutes. And so I, I left all, all bent out of shape and really discouraged. And this was like a year in of trying to figure this thing out. Um, and I, I remember sitting at the airport with my suitcase. And this is the best way I could describe the goal system. It disappears when you're not using it. And I was at the airport trying to figure out, because we had a few prototypes that I, I just wasn't satisfied with and I never thought could scale publicly and assuage a lot of liability concerns and just be a very simple, easy thing to use. And I'm, I'm, I'm there just going with my engineers, how, how do we figure this thing out? And you know, I'm just pushing my handle on my suitcase up and down, like in and out of the suitcase. And I, right there, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. I mean, we, we, we just need like the handle of a suitcase, but a soccer goal that goes into the ground. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's funny when you see it, it, it's this four by six soccer goal that's that size for a very specific reason that when you open the cover, it's it's under the basketball hoop. But as we know, as basketball hoops gooseneck, it's on the end line. So it's nowhere near under the basketball hoop. And um, in, in under two minutes, you know, the first test was by my four-year-old when we did one in public, went and put it up and put it down. You just open the cover and um, it, it's, it's, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you all the magic because people feel like there's like power that's run to it and all this like crazy hydraulics and, and gas springs. And in reality, it's kind of ancient technology that I use to patent it that just lifts the goal and, and brings it up above ground. You close the cover, you play soccer, you play street hockey, you play handball, you play lacrosse. Uh, and when you're done with it, you put it back in the ground and get back to basketball. Where can people find these? I and mean, we know we're going to find one in San Diego, but th this obviously isn't the very first one. Where was the very first one and where else can we find them? Yeah, so the the um, very first one was in my backyard in Brooklyn because I was too scared to install it publicly because I, I still was like, I, I, there's no way I'm an inventor. There's no way this thing's going to actually work. So let, let me install it and break it in my own backyard first. It, it, um, it existed for uh, through a winter, which we felt really good about. We tested a lot. We My kids kicked the crap out of it. The first one that we did was actually in, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, right down the street from where I grew up, um, which is still there. The teachers are so funny. They had a pool going and, and um, to see how long it would take before the goal got destroyed. And they told us this after the fact, because the last thing that was gifted to the school was a bench that got lit on fire. Um, so uh, I, we came back a year later and they told us, Kyle, we have to be honest with you. We had this bet going that they would destroy these goals. They would steal the nets and so on and so forth. I said, well, who, well, who won the pool? And they said, well, no one, because th they take such good care of these goals because they're theirs and they, they love them. They use them all the time at recess. So um, the, the San Diego court, which is super exciting to do it with San Diego loyal. So, so grateful for their support in this Shannon McMillan, by the way, an absolute legend on the field. Now a legend off the field champion this in a big way to help us um, get it done. And that that's the, uh, the seventh city that we've put a, put a court in. So yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're quickly becoming um, a, a more regular part of the, of the sports landscape, which is really cool. So Shannon had a little bit of a role here, huh? Can you tell us a little bit more about how, how that played out? Yeah. So um, 
you know, I, obviously I have my other company, Street FC, that I started with Dennis Crowley. And, and uh, you know, I, I just believe so deeply in the power of street soccer, the, the gender neutral aspect of it, the age neutral aspect of it, the, the socioeconomic neutral aspect of it. I mean, it's just the greatest equalizer. It's a beautiful and amazing game. We have blacktop that no one's using all over the place. So I, I ran a, a charity game on the roof of a school to raise money to put a soccer court up there. And I mixed the 99 Women's World Cup Legends with the 94 Men's World Cup Legends. They'd never played the game together. And I put them together in a street soccer game. And, um, you know, Brandy and, and, and Lily and, and Shannon and uh, Michelle Akers and, and Kobe Jones and Lexi Lawless and Tony Mule and Tab Ramos. It was like the coolest thing ever to see these guys playing together. These were my heroes growing up. And at that point, I didn't have the goal system ready, but I did have the, the, the nonprofit and I was desperately trying to find a solution. And I was on a text list with all the girls from the 99 team. And Brandy, by the way, deserves a shout. She, she's very uh, helpful in getting our San Francisco court done. Yeah, I mean, that 99 women's team, it, it's, you know, they're, they're legends, not only for what they did on the field, but you can see they're legends because they just support people. They support soccer, they support team and they were all texting me saying how cool this was. How can we help? And, you know, Shannon said, how can I help? And actually did it. I mean, she just wouldn't, wouldn't let this go away. And, um, you know, her, my director, Josh Dean, it's been a four year time period of not only designing and getting the goal ready, but getting through red tape to allow this to be a truly public solution. We could have installed these three years ago in places that were private that, uh, the, that risk youth couldn't get to. And we just decided, you know, we have to, we have to prove that this type of innovation is what's needed in these public spaces for these kids. And I, I, I wouldn't be there with, without people like Shannon who believe in the power of this game and how many kids aren't, aren't enjoying it and, and need it. Of all the things when you were running for U.S. Soccer Federation president, uh, I'm sure there were many things when you had access to data, when you were researching, creating a platform for you to go ahead and try to win that role, which you were very funny about a little bit earlier. Why was this the one that stood out maybe a little bit more than, than all the other things yeah. that we could talk about with regards to the U S soccer federation and the sport in this country as a whole? That's a, that's a really, really good question. You know, um, we, we've got to stop blaming us soccer and MLS, you know, for, for problems that not only did they not create, but they just don't have, the budget or, or the ability to solve, right? We're, we're a country that's the size of Europe. And so, you know, am I mad at the architecture of the game? Have we made mistakes that have made it expensive and have, have we screwed things up? Yeah, yeah, I think we have. But in reality, like I focused on where are low cost, high impact solutions rather than being just another, you know, voice in the white noise of blaming people and not doing anything about it. You know, what, what, can, what can we figure out? And, and it was Aspen Institute of Sports and Tom Ferry, who's done amazing research on access to sport and sports equity. And there was one, um, and it's not, it's not, um, I mean, the data's there. It was a phrase that I heard and it was proximity to a facility is the highest percentage chance a kid will start and continue to play sport. And, and so it, right there, I was on that, like, you know, spending $10 million to build this incredible field, you know, way away from these communities is not, is not going to move the needle. And, and listen, we should be doing those things too. It's just, the, if the court's not right down the street, it's going to be so hard to reach these remarkable communities that tend to be the type of communities that make up the greatest um, soccer players on the planet. And so, you know, it, it started with seeing this, this 
amazing inventory because initially I thought, well, yeah, but all these basketball courts are going to be used all the time. And so it, my hope was, I mean, let's see, you have to be six, six to bring the ball up the bat, the, the court in basketball these days. My hope was if we can bring these two great sports and multiple sports to these kids in a free and spontaneous way, the chance that these kids continue to play soccer and end up in soccer increases. And, and, and that that's where the, 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 the serious shift in um, what, what's possible for these kids with the character and the, the incredible potential they have that's not realized when they get stuck in other sports that you know might not be the passion that they're going to keep their whole life or the opportunity that's going to give them upward mobility. So, yeah, it was, it was that one. That was a great question. It was that one stat that I just got fixated on, and I just thought the answer is I've got to bring a soccer field right to every corner of community that, that these these kids are locked out of sport and very quickly you realize there's not a lot of grass close by these communities and there's if there is any of it there's not a lot of it and if there's a, if there's a little bit of it everyone's trying to get on it so outside of the pickleball people that are trying to take away all my blacktop <laughs> uh, I, I, there's, there's plenty of blacktop for everyone by the way uh also for people that want more information um th there's you know i was blown away by some of the data because you know we're here obviously always to promote soccer right we're three guys who love talking about soccer in some capacity we're, we're we've all earned from it you obviously on a totally different level than the two of us Kyle. but you know some of the the data about you know kids especially in low income income areas who don't have these opportunities you know it's not just about promoting soccer it, it it very much came across to me like like a public health situation of of trying to create opportunity for people to to have these kind of opportunities just maybe not for the future of professional soccer players right or for the future of the popularity of the sport but just also for for kids to be given these opportunities as a matter of their own personal health. Yeah, I mean, here's what we have to realize is, um, and, and it's what I've finally gotten to. Um, there is a, and it's and it's frightening. It's an issue that that should be talked about more often. There's a serious health crisis in kids not having access to to sport. Um, and, and if you look at Latina girls, the childhood obesity rates are, are quadruple um, any other. Um, youth demographic. I mean, it, it, it's it is truly terrifying that this has become a a luxury item, an entitlement item, not something that's that's readily available and free to anyone that wants to do it. And so, the, the beauty of this is the social enterprise side of this, right? Like improving the the mental and physical health of kids actually solves a developmental issue that we have in this country too. So it's like the, the, I I can't I can't like scream it enough that like. You want to win World Cups? You want the women to keep winning World Cups? Like you, you must create a culture of street soccer in order to have any chance of doing it. And the beauty is, if I'm wrong, right? If this isn't the way to win World Cups, we're at least going to activate communities that have the beautiful game that they didn't have before. So I, I'm I'm fine being wrong, but I promise you, I'm not. <laughs> and you're, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that that should be what drives us is the the byproduct is developing great players but the reason we do it is to is to give kids the the incredible gift of of sport and what it can do for their health and wellness you kind of joked about it earlier but i'm i'm curious do you do you think we'll you'll see the the u.s men's team win a world cup in your lifetime i, I i'm not i'm not kidding and listen I, I i've spent more time than i ever thought i would spend studying this problem and trying to understand it um and at a molecular level, I know it to be true that when walking down the street, 
kids playing soccer on concrete is as normal and as pervasive as kids playing basketball on concrete. When that, when that happens, I promise you our men will win a world cup while we're alive. It, it is, it is the force multiplier that we are, have not even come close to activating yet. And listen, are there other challenges? Are there, I mean, we're not, a, it's impossible to be a facsimile of any other nation because we are such a unique country of multiple sports and a, uh, the NCAA, which creates a, a, a path towards something that doesn't exist in any other country in terms of a carrot that creates a lot of market confusion and issues in, in new sports. But uh, if, if we can just make walking down the street and kicking a ball on concrete a thing, I, I, I promise you that is the, the, that is the cultural lifeblood of nations that end up winning World Cups. As you look at the whole structure in the U.S., uh, where, where do you see USL? How, how does it kind of slot in? Um, where, where do you see it? Where do you see the future? Where do you see it headed? I see it as essential. I mean, uh, you know, I, I ran on promotion relegation, not, not, not just joining the, the, the field of buzzword people, you know, touching the third rail just to upset everyone. I ran because I, I know a, a pyramid structure where someone from the seventh division like Jamie Vardy can can end up playing for England and winning a Premier League title based on slowly demonstrating their ability as they go up late bloomers all of this is essential it's just the 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 mechanisms like solidarity payments and training reimbursement you know all, all of the ingredients that allow um a a pure you know a truly democratized and and meritocracy pyramid system to to thrive we're slowly kind of getting there, but it's against this remarkable reluctance that um, you know the system has to to build towards this. And listen, I also think that Don Garber and and I'm going to say something. You know, pro rel people just just went like this. Yeah, we love Kyle. Now they're going to hate me in a second because I also think that Don Garber and and you know the Hunts and the Anschutz and the Crafts all made very difficult but remarkably smart decisions to create stability by having a single entity system and, and linking it with some and linking it with U.S. soccer at a point where MLS was on, on life support. You know, people don't realize it. You know, teams were failing. It was failing way back at the beginning. And I just think we've missed the diminishing returns moment where uh, the, the league now and the systems that are created and the crowds that you know, Detroit and, and some of these and, and San Diego and some of these other groups have been getting and been getting for a while. I mean, it just demonstrates MLS can never grow into every market. Um, affinity has to be achieved in a hyper local sense and and upward mobility has has to be possible. And you know, the American sports market has, has normalized celebrating and rewarding the worst teams. You know, we, we have to we have to get out of out of this model and and support teams that do a great job of producing good players that are ready to go up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's a couple of examples of it. You know, when people see these amazing scenes from Argentina following the World Cup, they don't have the best league, but they've got amazing culture. So you can always create that kind of culture. And Kyle, I think it's ultimately the the goal of lower division soccer. Of course, people want to play at the highest level. But, you know, Wrexham has taken over the world. How do we convert all of the newfound Wrexham fans into lower division soccer fans in this country? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly think, like, I, I grew up a Notre Dame football fan. I don't even like football. But it's because my, my dad loved it because he went to college there. I mean, it has to be through affinity. And, and, and when affinity is achieved locally, 
And then it's just about good storytelling, right? Because it, it, one of the reasons the Wrexham story works so well is you see how much that that club means to their fans. And so, you know, it's a combination of that, that's truly achieved when you live down the street and you live, you know, the grocery store life of, oh man, did you see the game last night, right? You know, that kind of water cooler world that, you know, it, it doesn't work like it used to, but but still exists. You know, the combination of of that and great and great storytelling. And so the cool part about um, this 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 amazing uh, you know project that San Diego Loyal has, has supported is yeah we're we're gonna tell we're gonna tell the story about a about a football club that cares about their community their fans and and you know the kids and the people in it and, sh- and showed up for them. I know Kyle. you don't do social media anymore. I uh, just want to make sure before we wrap up, Kyle, sorry, Jordan there, that we just let, let everybody know for more information here. I'm sure people by now, by the time they listen to this podcast, have seen the press release uh, at Over Under Play. How can people find out more information? Hopefully this one that's happening at Lincoln Acres Park is the first of many here in San Diego County. I know it's going to be an incredible point of pride that this is the first one in the state of California, but how can people find out more info? Yeah, go to playoui.org. Um, and donate. And honestly, um, the best thing that you could do is, is whether it's $1 or or a thousand dollars or whatever you can donate. If it's not, if it's not money, go, go, go tell someone in your community, this is what, this is what your, your council members should do. Your mayor should do your parks and rec director should do. We, we, We have to, we have to normalize a solution like this so it can reach a lot of kids. Kyle, we're very excited. The Over Under Initiative has found a home here in San Diego. Thank you for spending time with us today on the Always Loyal Podcast. All right. Thanks for having you guys. The Over Under Initiative, obviously coming to San Diego, the announcement that breaking ground in National City for the first one here in SD and actually the very first one in, in the state of California. So that's pretty cool. It is really cool. I, I you know, I look at it as an incredible point of pride. I, I realize there's but just a handful of these throughout the country. But when people go to the website, or if you do any sort of search for this playoui.org and you see what this looks like, you go, wow, that, that is, that's really a very, very clever thing to create. And he nailed it when he was describing the suitcase handle going in and out of the suitcase as somebody who just recently traveled. That's the perfect way to describe what these goals look like going in and out of the concrete. So groundbreaking this week, County of San Diego in national city, Lincoln Acres Park, just on the east side of the 805 freeway there. Hopefully the first of many. Um, you know, I I think it's part of the expansion of the culture. It's what we talk about all the time. You know, when you look around and you see what it is that's happening in some of these other places, we know by nature, people in the U.S., Jordan, they expect to be the very best, right? Like we have the NFL, we have baseball and NBA, and these are the very best. So there might be a reluctance for some to go, well, MLS, is it going to be the best league? Is USL, it's not even the best league in the country, at least in terms of overall talent. But it's it's creating culture. It's creating a culture of people who play street soccer. It's creating a culture of people. If you love the Wrexham thing, well, you know, you probably love San Diego Loyal as well. And tell somebody who loves watching that Wrexham show, come on out to Torero Stadium at some point this year because there is a charm with that. But the charm is right here, right here in our county as well. So I just think it's great that he didn't completely say, well, (laughs) I didn't win the presidency, so I'm just going to go and go back on television and provide myself a nice life and make a little bit of money. He took what he found to be the most important part of his research and running for that position Mm -hmm. and put it into action, even though he didn't get the job. Yeah. What was the line? He actually was able to go accomplish stuff. 
since yeah. he wasn't the president. Boy, am I glad I didn't get that job. <laughs> really good. How about his resume? It's a pretty impressive resume. A former player, you listed yeah. out his his accolades as a player. Broadcast analyst. He worked for ESPN for a while before going over to NBC. Uh, Word pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's an inventor. <laughs> like he's like now he's inventing stuff and having to do patents and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's quite quite the resume also love that we learned a little bit more about the the impact shannon mcmillan had in this process which uh, i mean that doesn't surprise anyone at all but it's very cool that we gotta we gotta learn that little tidbit i'm glad that came out um, you know and that going in and you know there's a line in the press release uh ricardo campos president of the club said we're fortunate to partner uh with people who share our vision and bringing increased access to the sport of soccer to the san Diego community and you know you can apply that to what it is that we spent the majority of this podcast talking about, which is the over under initiative. You can also say this has been a, a pretty cool week for San Diego lawyer with Duran Faree getting called up to the under 17 roster for cup qualifying. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal as well. So, yeah. you know, you continue to just add on the layers of success in terms of what it is they're going to do, right? Well, who's going to be in the starting 11? Who's going to lead the club and score Where are they going to finish on the table? But then there's also the other part of it, which is what a true soccer club should be dedicated to, which is building in your community and not just, you know, giving out and doing charity stuff, but, but helping create some of these kind of courts that we just learned about this week, helping young players realize their dreams now and be an avenue and a pathway to the kind of opportunity that Duran Faree is getting this week. Yeah. It's pretty common. Anytime you and I, um, talk about a trip. If, if you go on a trip, like you recently did, or, or if I'm showing you photos from something, it's one of the stories that we always kind of bring up is like how cool it was to see so many pickup soccer games, wherever we, we may be. And like, you just don't quite see it as often in the States. Oh, Jordan, and I just so got like, back from Mexico, dude. And it's like, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. just every little patch of grass. I mean, it's in the beach, it's in the surf. I watched these two dudes practice scissor kicks for a half an hour. Cause they were doing it in the water. So they wouldn't you know get injured trying to perfect this and you just see everybody out there on the shore playing soccer, not full size, sometimes a volleyball, but man, I'm glad you brought that up. It just reminded me of spending a week in Mexico and seeing so many people there kicking a ball out there on the surf and practicing their skills out there in the waves. All right, Jordan, second preseason matchup coming. It's against Loyola Marymount university. I have been told that this one will be open to the public. So Go to the at Chula Vista. website. I believe it's at Chula Vista, unless I've missed not an at, update. No, you're right. It's not at Torero. It's at Chula Vista. I just want to make sure that's that's clear for everyone. Yep. I, I asked the president himself if we were open to the public this week, and he said, yes, we are. Boom. Sources. Maybe we'll see you there. There it is. Cool. Very good. Thank you to Kyle Martino. He was very good. We didn't ask about his hair products, though. Ah, I forgot. I will say the hair was on point. Yeah. In fact, if uh, people really want to know the reason why we've introduced video into our promos, it's because we found out that Kyle Martino potentially was going to join us this year. So <laughs> there's no way we were able to bring him on without introducing video to the podcast as yeah. well. So yeah, we'll scrap it after there this it week's is. episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Darren, I will chat with you next week. Peace.